Hello and welcome. This is Camille Brooks. I love to help people discover how they can find more joy and peace in their personal lives, marriage, and family, and help them discover that their sorrows can bring out the glory within them. Today's podcast is from the series Joy in Marriage and Family helping families find more joy and peace through the craziness of life. Our guest today is Leah Huntington. She's a mother of eight children and a great editor. In fact, if you go to my website, findingjoyandpeace.com, you will find a giveaway with her editing skills. And that is a wonderful giveaway. So I hope you'll check it out. Um, today, I asked Leah to join us because when I have been in her home, I have been so impressed with the love that I have felt there. And I have noticed that her children just absolutely adore her. Is that right, Leah? I feel that way. Yes, I do. And I've noticed that she absolutely adores her kids. Is that right? Yes. I love having them all around me. Yes. And she's uh, also homeschools her youngest children. And so her house is always full of children. She just is so loving and just really loves being a mom and loves her kids. And it's been so impressive that I wanted to pick her brain today so that we could learn from her and what some of her secrets are. I have also felt that um, the foundation of a good loving home is a good marriage. And I've noticed the sweetness that they have as a couple between them. And so I'd like to start there, Leah. Tell us, what have you done to create love in your marriage? Well, I love that you say create love because um, after that first, you know, honeymoon phase, um, it really is hard to just, um, overlook everything. My husband's had to overlook a lot of things that I brought in my baggage. And, um, you know, as time goes on, everybody has things that come up. We're all human. Um, but, I came from a family of divorces, plural. Everyone in my mom's generation uh, divorced several times. Men were kind of um, uh, unnecessary in our family, and I knew I did not want that. I purposely did not get married young, and I waited until I had a sure, a sure knowledge, not, not necessarily a knowledge, but a surety that this was the person that could stick around. And, um, I knew that I could trust him that scripture that says perfect love casteth out all fear. I always said that that's how, um, I was sure of, I just knew he was very open. I knew his family. Um, I had assurances from them that he was, you know, just exactly what he presented himself to be. You know, like I said, as time goes on, things happen. You can never be completely sure about the future. Um, I knew that as long as 
neither of us supported the idea of divorce, that we could just work through things. And that's what we've had to do. I think that is so wise to enter marriage with the determination to make it work. Well, I'm a firm believer that it is impossible to feel love in a family unless there's also respect. I notice your children speak to you very respectfully. And I notice they even say, yes, ma'am. Yes, they do. Tell us about that. How did you, how did that begin? Okay. So I am from the South and that's just, there's no question. That's what you do when you're being raised. Um, And when I came here, I, I was astounded that people didn't do that. And I was even astounded that um, when people are speaking to their aunts and uncles, they didn't call them aunt and uncle. They just call them their names. I was uncomfortable with that, but I felt like at the beginning, I felt like, oh, well, I don't want my kids to feel weird. You know, I'll let them do what everybody else does. And so for a long time, that's what we did. And then one day I just decided this is not the natural order of things. And so I fixed it. I taught my kids, okay, from now on, you're going to say yes, ma'am and no, ma'am. Yes, sir. and No, sir. And we had always taught our kids to respect their parents and, and um, their leaders. From then on, I insisted that that's the next step. And not only shows respect, but it also helps them to internalize that this person that you are showing respect to is, you know, a, a title. I teach my children that just the fact that I am their mom deserves that's a level of respect that they owe me and I don't hold it over their heads I'm not like lording it over them but in order for me to do my job I have to have some level of respect from them and I in turn hope that I show respect to them as a as a person as my child you know I don't let them gang up on each other. When I discipline my children, I help them to see that they can be better than they are, that they are worth more than their, you know, wrong actions, that they are capable of a higher uh, level of existence, basically. So the respect for authority is important to me just because that will help them increase themselves. That is so beautiful. I love that. I love how you help them see what they can become instead of focusing on maybe how they're acting right then and see their potential. Yes. Respect is so important. It's impossible to have love in a home when there's not respect. It's Mm -hmm. respect is the foundation of love. And I would like to dedicate a whole podcast to talking about respect. But for today, we want to focus on the love that you have created in your home. So tell me, what have you done to create so much love to where your kids adore you and you adore them? I mean, I mean, it's so real. I can cut it with a knife when I'm in your home. I, mean, it's- I love that. I love that you say that. I have to create um, moments where I can have a relationship with each of my children individually. I have had to adjust my parenting styles for each child. There are some of the kids that, you know, only respond when I'm very firm with them. And some of them just become mush if I'm firm with them. So I have to be very gentle with those. I don't think that any of them would say that I favor one of them over the other because when 
you know, usually the only correction I have to do is when there is disrespect going on, or if there's an ongoing struggle, then I, you know, I talk to each of them and I talk, I make them tell each other what they themselves did wrong to the other person. So instead, when I get this, the story, (laughs) for example, you know, okay, how did this start? Let's go through, you know, and they tell me everything. And sometimes there's not a clear person who started it all or who was to blame. Most of the time, actually, I'm like, well, I see your side and I see your side. And so I'll have them just think about it and think how they could have responded differently so that it could have gone. And we'll sometimes we'll do role play. I make sure they understand that their relationship with each other is more important than anything else that goes on. When I parent them, I try to have a connection with them between that kid and myself. There's one kid in particular that I have a couple of them that I struggle with because one of them is in trouble all the time. um, And the other one just doesn't speak my language. I have had to step outside of that difficulty and we have found other ways to connect. So I feel that we still have a close relationship, even though we have these, you know, headbutting moments a lot of times. Definitely having that personal relationship with each of my children and um, helping them to see the importance of the relationship they have with each other is definitely my, my go-to. I can see that that is one of the foundations of the great love I see in your home is that you make the relationship more important than what actually happened, you know, and that their relationship with each other is the most important thing. Um, I I used to do that with my kids and they'd fight. I'd put a backpack on them and and say, go for a hike, you know, with each other. And you can't come back and tell your friends and, you know, or I'd ground them and say, you can't um, be with friends this weekend. You have to play with the sibling you were fighting with or whatever, you know, to try to teach them. Yeah. The relationship with your sibling is eternal. And, you know, you'll graduate from school and you'll hardly ever see those friends anymore, but you'll see your family forever. (laughs) That's something I often call my kids out about. Would you have done that with your friends? Would you have acted that way with your friends? (laughs) Yeah. 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 And, and the wonderful thing is they are best friends. They really love each other and it's, Oh, it's so wonderful. But yeah, I love that how you made the relationship. So important. I also love how you take the time to listen. Oh my goodness. I think one mistake that we make as mothers is that we're busy and we don't want to take the time to sit on the couch and work out the problem and just listen and and get them talking about what happened and validating their feelings and getting to the bottom of things. So I think that is another secret that you have that we can all learn from is, and which is amazing. You have eight kids and to, Take the time to sit down and talk about the problems. That's amazing. That is a wonderful thing that we can all learn from you. Okay, so tell us, um, what are the obstacles you have come up against as striving to have close relationships with each child? Let me tell you a story. Um, After my fifth child was born, I um, struggled with postpartum depression. Very, very deep and dark. Um, It actually created um, not just a fog in my mind, but at night I would lay there and just fear and I could feel my 
my limbs were in pain. It felt like I was being pushed into the bed or pulled. I always said it felt like I was being pulled down to hell. Like it was a physical pain. When I was going through that depression, I actually went to counseling and the trigger for my depression was something outside of my family. But when I was going through counseling, she asked me if there was something else in my life that I was struggling with. And at the time, my my oldest daughter was an enigma to me. I did not know how to parent her. She was completely different from my other children. And she just was a porcupine. Like I couldn't snuggle with her. I couldn't, I couldn't communicate with her effectively. I adored her, but I was kind of scared of her because I didn't know how to be her mom. The counselor just said, okay, is there something that you guys could do that's not discipline? And so I could be in the middle of complimenting her on something she did right. And she would purposely walk across the room and hit her brother in the middle of my sentence. So I had to hurry and finish my sentence before I threw a timeout again. Oh my. But she just enjoyed being in trouble and it gave her no qualms whatsoever to upset me. She did not mind being in trouble. She just had this little look on her face and she was very young, very little. And I probably expected more of her than I should have at the time. They were still, they all were still so young. Um, I just decided, you know, I have purposely not had nail polish in my house because I didn't want it all over everything, which I knew was going to happen. And so I just thought, maybe I'll get some nail polish and the two of us can just, you know, paint our nails together. But there was one time when she was, I think she was probably five or six. And I, I fussed at her for, for doing something wrong, for hurting somebody probably. And she actually started crying because she was upset that um, she had done it. And I just remember just feeling so relieved. I had finally gotten through to her that I knew she had it from that moment on. I knew she had a conscience. Wow. That, that makes me feel better because I have seen how much she adores you when I'm in your home. And it's just so neat to hear that, that you've had obstacles, you know, and that it's been a journey and that you haven't been perfect and that you know, no, no, no. (laughs) And that you've had to learn as you go. And what a wonderful lesson for all of us to learn that sometimes we do just focus on disciplining too much instead of having fun with our kid. I always played with them. I always read them books, but that one-on-one interaction was what was lacking. So that was the thing that I had to, you know, with eight kids, you know, I had to make sure I had time with each one. Well, and that, it's hard to do one-on-ones. It's a lot easier to do things as a whole family than to make time for the one-on-one. But that is where it's at. That's, that's where it really makes a difference to create love in the home. Yeah, I, I've w- loved watching your kids. Lee and I will be sitting on the couch talking, and her kids are so respectful. They don't interrupt us. They sit on the couch and they kind of wait for a moment when they can talk to their mother and when it's appropriate. They, you know, they do interrupt me sometimes and I have to shush them. But <laughs> it's so cool is that most kids would say, oh, mom's with her friend and just go off and do their own thing. 
But when something exciting happens in their life, they can't wait five minutes to tell you. You are the most important person in their life, and they're just like busting to tell you what happened, what just happened. And it doesn't matter that mom has a friend sitting on the couch. It's like, I have to tell my mom right now this exciting news. And I just love that. They, you can just see how much they adore you and you are their best friend. And that one-on-one -on -one has paid off. You can see it, which is so cool for teenagers, especially. Say though, um, is I also make a point to get to know my kids' friends. I encourage them to bring them over. I, I, you know, we have a great big yard. They can come and play games in the yard. They can hang out in the house. I, I always try to make sure my kids know that their friends are welcome and I get to know their friends and their friends are now my friends. I moved around a lot as a kid and I only went to, I went to two different high schools, two years each. And I was the, always the new kid growing up and I didn't have very many friends. And so now I always say, I finally have friends in high school. Oh. But I always try to make sure my kids' friends know that I am happy that my kids are friends with them and that they are welcome at my house anytime. And I think that's a real secret, especially for teenagers. What else have you done to develop such a close relationship with teenagers? Because teenagers can be hard. You know, and there can be that generational gap. What have you done to overcome that generational gap? My relationship with them is such that they know they can come to me. There have been a couple of times where I've had to call them out on something. They're trying to cover it up and I can see that they're covering it up because I know them that well. And then we have a talk. We'll have a very serious talk. I, I purposely do not try to make them feel embarrassed. I try not to make them feel like they are a horrible person for, you know, whatever it is they've done. But we talk about the ramifications of it, you know, what it means, what that means for their future. I know that when I was a teenager, I wished my mom would have done X, Y, or Z. And I don't want my kids to be lacking that. I even remember feeling like, why doesn't she call me out on this? Why doesn't she say, no, this is how it's going to be. But on the other hand, I'm also rather lenient. I, I know that it's important for my kids to have time with friends. So even when they're in trouble, I'll allow them to go out with their friends and just say, okay, you need to make sure you're on time this time. You know, you're not going over your curfew or whatever. I want to make sure my kids um, have a balance of, you know, I, there's an authority I, I have some authority because I'm their mom, but I also have their best interest at heart. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that that's a good way to describe it. To me, I see you being firm, but kind, being just, but merciful, and finding that balance, um, which is sometimes hard to do. And, and it is a juggling act all the time, right? Trying to find that. I can see that with your, your teenagers. And I think it's paid off because they're great teenagers. Wow, I'm so impressed. They just, they radiate. They just radiate with joy and peace and happiness and so much love in the home. And I've been so impressed with your teenagers. I firmly believe that every parent 
can make their own decisions as long as they're not being abusive to their children, that they should just have, they can have their own rules. When I was starting parenting, I didn't feel like I had a very firm grip on what to do. And so I would watch families that looked like they had it all together. Even if they were strangers, I would go it and I would say, I love how you are with your kids. Can you tell me your secrets? And almost invariably, the first thing they would say is have rules and stick to them. What rules do you have? I actually asked my kids the other day what our rules were because I saw that you were going to ask that. And I thought, I don't know that we have um, hard and fast rules, which is funny because that's like the one thing (laughs) that I was told. And I think we do have rules, but they're kind of just very simple Um, Of course, we have rules like, you know, don't eat in the front room, but there's always a caveat of unless you have permission. And so a lot of things I just say, don't do this without permission. I don't want my kids to, you know, eat too many sweets. And so they'll always come and ask me before they eat sweets. And I don't want to say no all the time. But I read a book one time, a, a parenting book, and that was one thing that really rang true with me is you can't just say no all the time just for the sake of saying no, you know, just because you don't want it that way. I believe that I have really followed that since I internalized that. I was like thinking, uh, do I do that? Do I just say no because it's inconvenient um, or messy or um, it's going to take too much of my time? You know, every once in a while, I'll still do that because I just don't have the energy. Almost everything I do wrong as a parent is because I don't have the energy. Back to rules. There's no, there are no arbitrary rules. The rules that we have are just for the purpose of keeping kids safe, keeping our home sane. One of of the rules I follow is I let my kids eat. I let my kids drink whenever they are hungry or thirsty. I let my kids sleep any chance I get. If they're tired, I let them sleep. A lot of times when my kids are acting up, it's just because they're tired. And so I'll just say, you just need to rest. When you wake up, you'll feel better. Oh, one of the rules we have is, you know, homework comes first. Homework comes before chores. It comes before playtime. For the younger ones, when we homeschool, we have school time. And during that block of time, they need to be focused on school stuff. So what do you do for media? People really struggle today with media. How do you handle it in your home with your children? Again, I don't have hard and fast rules about it. I try to make sure there's a balance. If I see that too much of something has been going on, then I'll I'll say, okay, that's it. You need to just put a kibosh on that. Most of the time, there's not a struggle. Sometimes I'll just say, okay, this is this is useless. You cannot watch this. Um, if the kids have been in here just watching stuff, I'll say, you need to go outside. Look at the, look at the sunshine today. That's great. Get them outside. Go, go play a real game. Go talk to a person instead of staring at a screen. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. We don't have any of the video game players in our home. I've seen people who just get addicted to them and they literally cannot function in the real world. Has your belief in God and your family worship helped create more peace and joy and love in your home? Of course. My family, we've always gone to church every Sunday without fail. We do regularly have our scripture study in the evenings. Sometimes we'll do um, devotional. Uh, We like to start 
our homeschooling day with devotional, with um, song and prayer, and we'll do the pledge and we'll do scriptures and we learn poetry and things like that. When when we're having our discussions about behavior, for example, it's very easy to draw the gospel of Jesus Christ into the discussion because there are things that you know, we learn from the scriptures that allow us to compare ourselves to the things that Christ did. I think um, belief in God help us create love in our home. When we love God first, it helps us have more love in our home. Well, thank you, Leah. Thank you so much for being with us today. I just want you to know that the Lord loves you. And for all those mothers out there listening, the Lord loves all of you for the sacrifice you've made to mother children and to bring them into the world. He said to receive his little ones. And you you have received them by bearing them and bringing them into the world. You received them by loving them. And I know the Lord loves you for loving his children. And I am so grateful because every mother that loves her children helps make this world a better and more beautiful place. Thank you, Leah. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Camille. I hope you will join us next time. For more inspiration, join me at FindingJoyInPeace.com. Until then, thank you for listening. May God bless you as you strive to create more joy and peace in your homes and in the world around you.